Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another uh, edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Man, stumbling over the words early. I promise that I have not started drinking yet, though the scotch is nearby. Uh, back after a, after a day off last week where the inmates ran the asylum, and I'm going to put it all on one guy because he got a little crazy. And that one guy is is our co-host here today, only co-host here today, Mr. David Ongar. Dave, you you, you let it get a little crazy, got a lot of control. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, just let let people roll with it, man. It was uh, it was too much fun. It's uh, a whole new perspective on Margot Kidder. That's for damn sure. After I'm last a little week. disturbed about how passionate Christopher Platt was about Margot Kidder. Like, I get that. You're you're not attracted to her, dude, and and that she may not be your cup of tea. And I, oops, sorry, I'm throwing pins. Um, cool. As long as you're I not throwing get, the scotch, you know. No, you can't waste the scotch. But yeah, that that was that was a pretty passionate diatribe. A uh, lot of voices in the room last week. Smaller number of two voices in the room today. But uh, as has been our mo for the last, well, basically the summer, even the late spring. We're going to talk a lot of DC again. <laughs> Shocking, I know. <laughs> and some of it's bad, some of it's good. A uh, little bit of a hype train as DC Fandom kicks off again this coming Saturday, not uh, on the 12th. And so part two, interesting, a little bit of a different schedule, did a little bit of a different setup. So we'll have to, we'll, we're going to digest that, break that down a little bit. And kind of like we did with the other one, talk about what you know we're excited about, what we're interested in seeing what uh what we think uh we could get out of this and you know just have a have a fun little little bit of conversation there's um a new show in town we started a new show this week we're going to talk well not really a new show (laughs) it's it's a return to it's a return to a great show and that is the boys season two their first episodes dropped this past friday uh episodes one through three and so dave and i will break that all down for you very happy that it's back. Oh God, yes. Enjoy enjoyed all three episodes immensely. But um, before we get into all of that, uh, I mentioned I'm back. I was I was gone last week. Real quick, we just quick shout out uh, DP, the scientist himself, not here this week. Uh, had some family matters to to attend to, and so we'll uh, we'll welcome back DP next week. Just Dave and I today. But I did want to talk a little bit about last week's show. And of all the times, and th- and this is what's going to annoy me, is I have a feeling with my new work schedule, where I am two Sundays off, one Sunday on, that I'm every time I have the Sunday off, that's when some significant news item is going to hit the nerdosphere, and you all are going to talk about it, and I'm going to have to take up airspace on Greg DeMarco's show to talk about it. And, uh, you know, right. as, well, you know, the first half of the show last week was dedicated to talking about Chadwick Boseman and, and his passing and the implications that that had for, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe, as well as the impact his death just had on, you know, multiple communities of people. And I think that's the thing that is really resonating me, you know, with me here now a week later is that there's this subsection of, you know, the film fans the MCU fans that that were really impacted by this. There's the African-American community at large who really 
uh, Chadwick is, was very vocal about recognizing his role as an actor within that community and what it meant for folks to, to play roles like Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, T'Challa, all of that. And, you know, and it's, I'm looking forward to seeing his last movie get released on Netflix. Cause that's been announced. I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but it's going to be, it's going to be streamed on Netflix. It's going to be released. And, and I'm sure it's going to do no matter whether the movie's good, bad, indifferent, it's going to, it's going to get a lot of watches, but it just goes to show you how impactful that all was. And I, you know, and I was a little sad that I wasn't able to be on the show with all of you to, to talk about that and to, and to sort of share my thoughts and, and thankful to Greg that he gave me the opportunity to speak on that at length. If you listen to the Greg DeMarco show this past Wednesday, most, most of the show is, is talking about Chadwick Boseman. Well, I mean, Believe me, Patrick, I would much rather the weekends that you're off be real low key and not have to deal with something like that breaking loose literally two days before we go on the air, such to the point. And, and I mean, I you know, Chris Platt's always welcome on this show. Let, let's let's be straight about that. Uh, but, you know, when it something hits and Chris makes a special request of us, hey, can I be on the show? Well, of course, you know, Um yeah, I mean, a week later, watching tributes and just the, the, the outpouring of stuff like uh, Dene Gurria uh, had a penned a just a heartbreaking tribute to him on Instagram. Um, you've seen all the all the stuff coming out. And then in the middle of that, there's and there's the inevitable speculation about the Black Panther franchise, which it's like it's all of it's too soon. You know, it's like, well, let's right. get through the grieving before we start worrying about what we're going to do with the black Panther franchise, you know, let, let's get, which is a, which is a movie that's two to three to four years out. Right. Like there's time. There is, there is. I mean, and, 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 you know, it, it's an irreplaceable loss and, and yeah, I mean, it would have been great for you to have been, been here, but that's part of the reason why there were so many voices in the room last week is it just really brought out a lot of people who wanted a, a, a not a forum so much, but just a place where they could, you know, I don't even want to say it was therapy, but it was a place to kind of speak what you were feeling. A lot of people needed to kind of put into words how it impacted them. I mean, he was a extremely powerful individual on multiple fronts uh, and a huge loss. And it just came so far out of nowhere that no one saw it coming. And I mean, now a week later, you've seen videos like I, I'd never seen the one of him. I guess it was a few weeks, maybe a month or so ago, he was really thin and you could really yep. see that, okay, there's something not right here. Um, and I know they, they pulled it down before really people got a chance to see it, but um, yeah, I mean, you just, you just didn't, the fact that he did all that stuff, uh, made all those movies, did all those things, fighting colon cancer stage three, no less uh, is, is nothing short of remarkable, the true superhero. So yeah, I mean, what what can you say? A week right. later, it's not any easier. So, no, not at all. And it's it's amazing the little things that that have popped up that just are reminders of him and just show how how influential he really was. You were talking about tributes. I, I highly encourage anybody who enjoyed Black Panther, the film, to go back and look at and read the a tribute that Ryan Coogler wrote uh, about him. It's on the Marvel website. It's relatively, it's pretty easy to find. I read a bit of it on the DeMarco show as well. And 
the only the only thing that I do want to talk a little bit about, and you know, you mentioned grief and grieving and how people grieve. And what was disappointing to me was that there was still a small corner of the universe that was gatekeeping how folks choose to grieve and speak about Chadwick's passing. And I'm specifically speaking in regards to um, what happened to Elizabeth, um, or shoot, I'm going to forget her name, Elizabeth Olson, who dropped her Instagram account because she was being basically harassed by people who were condemning her for not posting something on Instagram about Chadwick Boseman's passing, despite the fact that she was on the 2020 hour long special, which you can now watch on Disney plus with the black Panther special feature stuff, speaking about how his death and who he was and how that impacted her as well. I get that this is a big deal and people are hurting. You don't get to tell people how they should hurt. That's really what, what blew my mind is that because there seemed to be this belief that because Elizabeth Olsen didn't write something on her Instagram account, a woman who is very private with her social media, that was her only social media account that she used, to use that to go after her and to somehow vilify her because she didn't recognize Chadwick's death the way you felt she should have, your grief is misplaced and your anger is misplaced and you should really think about what's important here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you talk about tributes, Michael B. Jordan took a few days before he actually wrote his, right. and it was incredibly powerful, beautiful, beautiful. But yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody doesn't want to put their most personal feelings, God forbid on social media, then fuck off, you know, let them, let them grieve in their own way. It's like, I don't post everything that, half the people, you know, half the shit that goes through my head on Facebook, because like, I don't want people seeing shit that I actually think about, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, hey, look, I made this fucking barbecue one night. That's one thing. But I don't want to post my personal feelings on there. They're your own personal feelings. If she didn't want to do that, get over yourself. Yeah, you're exactly right. You don't get to tell people, here's how you process grief, because we all process it differently. Right. So and, and it is just a reflection of our of our social media society. It's it's where a lot of this stuff goes wrong and awry. And I don't want to dwell on it too long. No, but you uh, and, you and fact, me are kind of a little immune to it because we're wrestling <laughs> fans and podcasters. So we're used to a bunch of fucking well, idiots out there. Uh, most like I'll talk about my social media accounts. Nobody follows me. Like in, in the grand scheme of like like we joke about it, but if. If you were to look at Patrick O'Dell, the wrestling realist, on on the old profile here, I've been living it around 462, 463 ages now, um, and that's just what it is. So what I see a lot of times, I'm I'm more of a lurker on social media than I think of anything. Like people don't follow me, and now and I'm okay with that. And I don't, you know, I follow plenty of people and whatever. I know that it's supposed to be the other way around. I'm not a guy who's big on branding. Just ask Greg Marco when it comes to. Oh, what, what I'm I like having this forum and being able to do this podcast and share it, but I'm terrible at advertising. I'm terrible about selling myself. I'm terrible, terrible about, you know, being a social media force. I'm okay with that. So I, I don't know that I'm necessarily the one to like, I'm not immune to it. Uh, I see it all the time. Like I see 
the snap decisions that we make on social media, the way that we are, are this strange moral superiority that comes from hiding behind a keyboard and a profile name. And that's really what I saw out of this, this little bit with, with Elizabeth Olsen is that people were being gross because they felt like they could be gross. And they did. Like, that's what they did. So shame on you. Yeah. Shame on them. I mean, I, I did. I branded the shit out of Attitude of Aggression when it first started. And that's, <laughs> that's why there's over 6,000 yeah. followers and that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that, you know, wrestling fans on Twitter are some of the most opinionated uh fans of all of all time you know some of those opinions are good some of them not so good you know and and whether they're my followers or not doesn't change the fact that that's just wrestling fans but yeah it's 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 something that's endemic to social media where it's like well you know now i've got a forum i can say what i want and you didn't react the way i think you should have reacted therefore i'm going to call you out on it okay fine you're entitled to your opinion because they're like assholes and everyone has one (laughs) exactly all right so we're going to close the door on that and I, I, there was one other thing that literally while I was listening to the playback of Bandwagon Nerds la- last week that led me to like yell at the computer or that you know, wasn't the computer. It was my iPhone listening to it on Apple Music. Uh, and that was this mockery, sirs. And you're, you're going to take the brunt, but everybody, you know, others were involved. And if, if Christopher Platt were would have been able to get back on the show today. I would, I would have him to task as well. Knocking the 1994 miniseries of Stephen King's novel, the stand. I don't recall knocking it, but go ahead. (laughs) We ripped, you ripped the great Molly Ringwald. First of all, you ripped the cast, like the cast. You guys were like, who are these people that was in this, that were in this movie. And, and I'm sitting there being like, I was really indignant. I was like, Gary Sinise. It's Gary Sinise. Ossie Davis. Ray Walston. Well, to be fair, I kind of merged. Laura San Giacomo. I merged the stand and it together because I thought John Ritter was in the stand. So that's. Oh, yeah. I totally was. I was like, he wasn't in the stand. He wasn't in the stand. Fucking Dave. He wasn't in the stand. He wasn't there. Rob Lowe's in that movie. Uh, yeah, he was. Good. Oh, gosh. He was. He played. Uh, he played the deaf, uh, deaf and dumb player uh, character, Nick Andros. Yeah, Nick. Uh, right. Right. Who was there? Was the, there was the one other one? Guy played Dauber on Coach. Oh, he was. Um. Oh shit. What? He, he was a trash he was, man. He was, was he? No, he wasn't trash. No, man. no. He was. Uh. He was the. Uh, M O O N. Uh, yeah. I don't remember move. his name though. I. Tom Cullen. Tom That's Cullen. There you go. Right. Bill, Bill, uh, I can't pronounce his name. He was also in How I Met Your Mother. He played Marshall's dad in, in there. It was, but what was, I just wanted to, I really wanted to defend this, this, this miniseries because in 1994, and granted, you know, that's 16 years ago, but in 1994, that cast was a really strong cast and had familiar faces like all the way through. And, and it just cracked me up, like, you know, how time kind of pushes things away and, and we forget about it. Now, you know, in 1994, there was some hokiness. Uh, I think that it's fascinating to me that Randall Flagg, the guy who played Randall Flagg, Jer- Jamie Sheridan, uh, he was the biggest out of the whole cast where I was like, who? Who, the, who is this guy? I'm still like who? <laughs> right. Uh, hold on. I'll let, I got IMDb up right now. Yeah. 
Did he do so anything after the stand? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, let's see. He is known for, he was in the movie Spotlight. He was in Sully. He was a regular on Law and Order Criminal Intent. He was, he's, been, he's still working. He's in Arrow. He played Robert Queen in Arrow. Oh, okay. Oh, he's done a couple episodes of Ballers. Like he's, he's got a hell of a career. I, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup in 1994. I certainly couldn't pick him out of a lineup now, but <laughs> it just, it cracked me up. And then I wanted to respond because you'd asked the question in, in the show uh, about whether or not, you know, you questioned kind of CBS's timing with releasing the stand in the midst of a global pandemic. And this was the other part of the show. And I think I even said it in the messenger in our, uh, in our private chat that so many people, I have absolutely no qualms, by the way, with CBS releasing with releasing this when they do. I'm totally okay with it. And I'll tell you why, because I think my why is a little bit different than some of the whys that actually are on the show. It's it's because it's not about it's like a plague takes place in the show and wipes out humanity. Yes. But that's literally about a quarter of the novel and is literally a quarter of the story. And it's really a story about revelations when, when you really look at it at the end about God and God and the devil facing off to, to ultimately decide the fate of, in this case, the United States, the neat little coda that I've always found fascinating in the book is that Randall Flagg ends up on another island, another part of the world, and just starts over. So always a really interesting thing. But no, when I watch, when I, when I was seeing this on the, listening to this on the show, the, the plague part, like I get where we are with like COVID-19 and the way that's impacted our lives. I think that I can't remember who made the point on the show. I think that you'll see an even more realistic looking response that we can't, that that still we can't overcome. And depending on where CBS or whoever the showrunner was decides to take that miniseries could make it allegorical to how the United States in general responded versus the rest of the world and kind of our own arrogance with it. Cause that's really the way I look at, why we are where we are with COVID-19 right now is our own arrogance to just decide that we're too, like, like that our decision to play and be silly sort of is, has taken over the greater good of our peers. And so I could see something interesting if CBS did that, but it's such a small part of this, the mini series that, and CBS even in the teaser doesn't really play up that part too much. They definitely play up Whoopi Goldberg as Mother Abigail, and I don't know who the guy is that's playing Randall Flagg. I didn't catch it. I guess a week later, thinking about it, I remember when when COVID first really got going, people were watching movies like Outbreak and uh, what was it, Twelve Monkeys or eighteen? What is it, eighteen? I don't remember right. what the fuck it's called. Uh, you know, I mean, I 12, think was, Twelve Monkeys. Thank you. It, it was kind of a novelty at that point, you know, because everybody thought, ah, oh, this will be over in a couple months, and we'll look back and laugh. And now here you are, six months later. And I just, I mean, I just, I get what you're saying. I'm not sure people are going to, cause it may be a little too real, but like what you're saying, Captain Trips is nothing like COVID-19. Captain Trips was 99% communicable and 99% lethal. So right. it's nothing like, you know, COVID, which doesn't have those kind of communicability rates or lethality rates or mortality rates or anything close to that. But so it is very different. I mean, I guess, and I think I even said it on the show last week, as, as far as an example of, just be glad we've got this. 
COVID-19 and not this, because this would be infinitely worse. And I think the scary thing is, if we're being really honest, they probably have something that lethal lurking around the CDC or somewhere that we can only pray it never gets out into the public. Right. Shame on me, by the way. Alexander Skarsgård is the is Randall Flagg. So that's that's a dynamite pairing there. You've got Whoopi Goldberg on one end of the spectrum and Alexander Skarsgård on the other end. I I I will consider a free trial of the CBS um streaming service yeah, to I'll, check this out. I'll want to check it. I I really I didn't have that big of an issue with the the mini series. I mean, I wasn't just not a Molly Ringwald fan for that role because she had been typecast as just the prom princess through Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink. It was like 10 that, years ago. Yeah, but it didn't. I mean, I, when I looked at her, she that's was, all I saw. Mid, she was in her mid-30s by the time she did the stand. Like, and, and, I, and I, don't be, was, I don't begrudge them giving her a more serious role to kind of break out of that typecast. But when I looked at her, she played what? Fran, right? Franny in the stand. Yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of like, uh, it's not who I had in my mind, but, but, uh, Laura, ah, San, Laura ah, Sangiacama was awesome in that show. I mean, she was just it's Nadine Cross, woo, yep. man, she was something. Let me, let me just, uh, I'm going to throw something at you that we talk about on the DeMarco show. All is revealed. As you said, you couldn't like Molly Ringwald wasn't who you would cast. It yeah. wasn't on your playlist, my friend. Yeah. Molly Ringwald I admit wasn't it. on your playlist. <laughs> I admit so it. that's okay. The the great Molly Ringwald, I'm sure she'll get over it. I'm sure she is crushed. Oh yeah, that uh, that you weren't involved. What is she doing that you weren't? You weren't. Uh, she. I don't know. Uh, let's. I, I gotta keep the gotta keep the old machine up here. Got the old IMDb. This is where Dave is so much faster. She's. I mean, she's been in some stuff uh, as of late. Like she took like a little break, but then she's been in the the fine kissing booth series of movies on Netflix. So she's got that going. She's been in Riverdale. Okay. She's been, um, God, she was on some other, the secret life of the American teenager. I remember that she was a mom. She apparently in 2014, and I didn't even know this was a thing that existed. There was a, the rainbow. The wife says hi, by the way. Oh, hello wife. (laughs) Rainbow bright. There was a Rainbow Bright TV series, like short run TV series, and she was the voice of the Dark Princess. She was the bad guy. Wow. That, she was in she was in she was in the Jim and the Holograms movie as Aunt Bailey. Like she's been around. Look at her go. I, so I might good have on to Molly. Read. Hey, I don't have Margot Kidder levels of hatred for her. Let's let's put it that way. I mean, I get it. If you if you were a big like Pretty in Pink Breakfast Club 16 Candles fan and that was how you saw her because she did those that rapid fire of just boom 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 teen angst movies even though she was well into her 20s. I get it. I get it. That's exactly. But, it. That's exactly that's how I looked at her. I was like, that's that's But she That's Claire, you know, not Fran. But, but she but she did those movies in 84, 85, 86, Dave. It's it's 2020. And in 94, 10 years later, you know, easy to easy to be in the role of a young expectant mother, which is is what she was. This is true in that film. So anyway, 
don't sleep on the original stand 1994. If you can get past the dated special effects, which are, you know, screaming 1994, we've just discovered how to use a computer for special effects. Still a fairly solid representation. And look out for the cameo from one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that film, because he's there. And one of my favorite cameos of all time. I don't remember that one, but no, they did, they did the two miniseries, the stand, and then they did it as well, which was really good. Oh, they, they've done, um, Steve, there was a time where there was like a TV movie of Stephen King works. It seemed like every other summer. Shit, remember they Salem's did, lot was like a two night affair. That was the craziest shit ever. Salem's lot. It, the stand, Tommy knockers was done into a ministry with Jimmy Smith's. I think was in that one. Um, sometimes they come back, which was made for TV. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of stuff. There. Stephen King has had so much of his work turned into screen adaptations in various iterations, whether it's for the big screen or the small screen, and they're not ending soon. I literally have the new Pet Cemetery that came out sitting on top of my entertainment deck. That I'm going to try to squeeze in sometime tonight between watching AEW and watching. Um, I've been watching. Uh, remember a couple weeks ago, I said I may have uh, checked out a nine disc Mel Brooks collection just so I could watch <laughs> History of the World Part One for my library. Yeah, I've got one movie left, and I will have watched them all. And it's a movie called Twelve Chairs, which uh, I had never even heard of, but. I, I've done this thing where I've like I've come this far. I must see them all through. By the way, underrated Mel Brooks film for those of you who may be looking for something that might be fun to check out from I think in 1983, 84, somewhere in there. Uh, it's a movie called To Be or Not to Be with him and Anne Bancroft. 1930s Poland being invaded by Nazi Germany and two actors who are caught up trying to fool the Fuhrer. It's hilarious. Yeah, that that sounds like a good. I'm curious what you're going to think of All Out because I've got like I'm at the last two matches myself. But um, well, I mean, yeah. I, I've seen the. Well, here's the thing: is that Greg is hoping to do a whole show around the pack of the fact that Patrick O'Dowd not only watched an episode of Dynamite, but then also watched All Out because I frankly have not been able to get through an entire episode of All Out or of uh, of Dynamite. Just you I don't, don't like it. it. I don't like it. Uh, I've struggled on more than one occasion. Part of it is part of it's probably my own bias. Some of it is like, I just don't see the big deal in it. I don't see what people like what other people see that makes it so special in their minds. I just don't see it. I don't feel it. So I'm going to try to like, I'm trying to take a critical eye on these and really get to why I'm not entertained by this product. Um, I have seen the Matt Hardy spot that is, is going up going on right now and, yeah. and the response to how that got handled. But that's for a different podcast. That's for a wrestling podcast. The boys season two dropped Amazon dropped episodes one through three. And we have got to give that the time it deserves because a lot happened, but a lot didn't happen. If that makes sense. They, they showed a few cards, <laughs> but they, well, they've got the rest of the hand pretty well hidden. These first three episodes, I would really say, and this is what you see a lot of times in season two. So we talk, we've talked about season one 
of any show. We always talk about it in the sense of world building, right? And so when we talked about season one of The Boys, season one of The Witcher, and the first the first half of a, of a first season generally is about establishing this environment and building these worlds and setting up that first problem that the protagonists have to experience and, and resolve. And we saw that in season one of The Boys as well. Establishing this world, establishing Huey, establishing Butcher, establishing Homelander, the Seven, Starlight, all of that. And then the second half of the show, of the series, really flipped everything on its ear. We learned about what Compound V really is. We learned that babies were being, superheroes were being manufactured. We learned that Homeland's gone rogue. The, The big bad that we've been assuming is the big bad in Madeline Stilwell dies horribly. Though we learned her child did not die. Yeah, that was one of the big mysteries that we learned. Mystery solved. Sort of. And so so that was this, well, on some level. So we that's part one. So season two, and what I love about a good season two, is establishing new characters to shake up the status quo. And we got that in spades in a couple of different ways. We've got that in the form of Stormfront and her being an antagonist to everything. And I don't know how like we'll, how we'll cover it, but like episode three, where we kind of, where we really see her for what she's going to be. And then, uh, and I can't, I'm going to forget the character's names because that's what they do. But this new church that the church of the, was it the church of the enlightened or something collective like that? Collective consciousness or something. I don't the know. Church, yeah. The church of the collective consciousness that they're a cult. We now find, <laughs> yes, this cult that bless his heart, the deep, trying so hard, man, um, has joined. But there's, you know, we get an introdu- we get introduced to a new super that is a not so subtle knock on Hawkeye called Eagle. Maybe Eagle Eye, even. I can't even yeah, remember. Eagle. eagle. And then um, this, she's not a leader, for, she's like a recruiter for this church. Um, and I can't remember her name. I, remember I just remember, either, but yeah, you think like she's a psychologist, but she's not. She's just right there. She's got a pamphlet. Yeah, I I don't well, know who the, she is. Clara, not Clara. That's not it. <laughs> well, what cracked me up was my first reaction was, "Oh, that's the woman who stole Ross's wife away on Friends." <laughs> Jesus, really? She was. I yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Um. I'm looking for her right now. God, the thing is, it's so annoying. She got to like go through everything to forget. I, her name was Carol. Carol. Okay. Jessica Hecht. Yeah. She was definitely in Friends. She was definitely the woman who stole Ross's wife from him. And not so. And she was Susan. Yeah. She was Susan Bunch in Friends. But yeah, she plays the the strange cult lady that is trying to help the deep reconcile with himself. And I guess that's where I kind of want to start. If you don't mind, Dave. Uh, yeah. The start the deep, start, start with the deep. Why, why don't we just start with, why don't you reflect on what happened to the deep? Dude, really? All, all you have to say is Patton Oswalt doing the voiceover for the deeps gills while he's tripping balls on shrooms. That's all you got to know about this show To If you're not sold after hearing that, then I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, the deep is uh, 
<laughs> Poor guy. It 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 it, it kind of it kind of continued from where we were at the end of season one, where you begrudgingly felt some sympathy for him, to now it's like okay, now I just feel bad for him, and it's not out of pity or guilt or something. I just it's just feel, sad. It's just sad, you know. And and it's great. Like in the third episode, you get to see how badass he is. Those powers, the way that he commands those sharks. And then, of course, you know, the stuff with the trailer with the whale, which is even worse in the actual episode. But but like we were watching it earlier today and, it, and, and, you know, my niece made the comment. It's like, see, this is what everybody perceives Aquaman to be, even if he's not this right. loser of a character who just everything goes wrong. That's not Aquaman. That's the common perception that people have about Aquaman. But that's not him. But yeah, the deep, I mean. You got to kind of love the guy. He's trying to get back in with the seven. He's deeply troubled. He's trying to reconcile. Why did he treat women so badly? He tries to make up with Starlight. That doesn't go over very well at all. Uh, but yeah, he's um, he's an outcast for sure. He's He's got a long road in front of him. And I don't think that it's going to go well for him with this cult. No. And... And it's gonna it's gonna do if if it, if it were me, and just kind of predicting how this will go, he's gonna he's gonna find himself feeling like he belongs. He's gonna be welcome into this group, and then it's gonna go sour. And who's really pulling the strings behind this this church? Like that's the other thing is, you know, he gets his intel from like the one in charge to to go after Butcher and the gang as they are on this boat with a what they describe as a super terrorist, but he's not really as super terrible as, as we, we would want to make him out to be. Oh no. And how did Carol get that information? Interesting qu- query. You know, it's, it's a, well, how did the person who gave Carol the information right. really get it? Like who and is, who's funneling who, her that who info? is the puppet master behind it all? Who's Mal- pulling the strings? It's probably there? Mallory. Cause they're, <laughs> oh, who knows is, Oh, how about Boy, Ra- how about Rainer's death in uh, the first episode? That was <laughs> that was rough, man. Uh, was that the one where the head got pulled off? Blown off, yeah. yeah. Blow- oh yeah, yeah. Well, she's um, clearly through some like psychic something or other. Something happened. I don't know who. I and who knows oh. who did that? We got a little bit of a a little bit in the black no- black noir. Not enough. He was badass in that first episode. Just took out a whole compound right. of people we yeah we don't know what black noir's deal is still he's just he's this guy who's he's just fire ridiculous he's fireproof he's apparently Bat- yeah he's fireproof he's batman in look but yet he has superpowers good god could you imagine a batman with superpowers mm, scary thought because it's noir that's what it is as he just indiscriminately kills everybody in this compound to get to the the super terrorist who's very proud of himself. Oh, Nabi. When he does that blast, he like does that big blast. Burning truth. Like, Burning truth. Burning truth. And then the truth is that he has got nothing on Black Noir. Right. I mean, so, you've got. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Take. I mean, breaking down by characters. I mean, A Train has got a real problem where he can't use his well, powers without having serious heart palpitations. Um. There's a yeah, there's a lot of that. A lot of things that aren't sort of recovered and resolved. You've got A Train and his problem. 
Um, I, you know, the carryover from season one between Huey and Starlight is directly impacting her ability to be a part of the seven to the point where Homelander brings it to the forefront at the end of episode three. And if not for Stormfront, Starlight's probably going to have to ice Huey. And thankfully it doesn't happen. But there's there's Huey's still being a douche uh, because he won't fully trust Starlight, which is just going to push her away from him. It's and yet at the same time, if there's one other relationship I'd like to talk about on on this overview, it's what has started to happen between Butcher, Butcher and Huey, because there is a a war of wills taking place there. To the point where Butcher finally shows some vulnerability to the gang. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, Butcher comes in and near the end of, uh, I mean, and one of the big mysteries to me is why did Homelander let Butcher live? There, There's some talk about a deal that was made with Homelander and Becca. And you have right. to figure that might have something to do with why Butcher ends up in the parking lot of some fast food joint in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, you right. know, that sort of thing. So I don't, I, you know, because it doesn't make, well, why wouldn't Homelander have just offed him there? Um, yeah, Butcher's relationship with Huey, because Huey doesn't, for whatever, I mean, doesn't trust him at all. And Well, I think he, I think he's right to do so. Oh, sure. Because cause Huey sees the world differently than Butcher, like in, in my opinion. When you look at, you look at a lot of the big moments that came down, came to a head at the end of season one, like Huey doesn't feel every soup is a terrible human being and must be eliminated the way that the way that butcher does butcher's grief has driven him to be what he is what i love and what you're seeing though is the way that huey's impact on the rest of the group and then by extension is challenging butcher i think is going to lead to some positive things for butcher as a character down the road right and and you could see a definite evolution in the relationship between Huey and uh, MM as this went along because in the first episode yep. Mother's Milk was like I don't want you to get us in any more of this shit but by the end of the third episode he's really sympathetic to Huey because Huey and Starlight have now blown the cover on Compound V and now the world knows okay superheroes aren't born this way they're created that way and now Vought's got to deal with the fallout from that and the guy in charge, what is Stan? I don't know. Edgar. I think that's his name. Um, right. And he spins it by, you know, well, you know, because that was when it was going on and, and their stocks are plunging because, OK, the world now knows about Compound B. My reaction, Patrick, was like, that's all fine and great. But these superheroes are still out there, regardless of how they were made. They're there. Well, and Homelander, ma- and and he Homelander says that. makes that point. Yeah. Like he basically is like, we're still here. We're going to do our thing. Edgar. Um, Stan Edgar is, is his name. It it went exactly the way I thought it would when the story broke open. There's going to be this moment of joy. Look, we've exposed them. And yet they were able to take what Stormfront did to that building in her efforts to kidnap um, Kamiko's brother and capture him and kill him. By doing all that destruction allowed for Vought to turn it to be like, but look what we have to do here. And if it wasn't for Stormfront, this would have been worse. And so what I I wonder how Vought turns this to now make it to where maybe suddenly it's a voluntary thing. People like now be like, sign me up. 
I wish to participate in this. And how does that go? Because that's what they were doing on the low, low down anyway, and just keeping everybody secret. Now it's just an unkept secret, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I yeah, that could be. I mean, the, obviously the big, the big clash that's coming is Homelander versus Stormfront because you can already see Homelander's pissed off. Uh, supposedly, from what I understand, Stormfront can withstand his lasers. You know whether she can right. withstand the rest. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't yeah. seen it yet, and we don't know what impact her, basically, for lack of a better term, force lightning is going to have on Homelander right. as as they are. I mean, that's a clash that's coming. And then also the big thing to me is is Ryan Homelander's son, who has developed powers without the aid of Compound V, which now tells me, kind of like Project Power, you know, but much better um, that. Yeah. The powers can be transferred genetically, which raises all sorts. Now you can be born that way, um, which raises all sorts of questions as to how, you know, how far do Ryan's powers go? He just now discovered that he has them. And that's fascinating right. to me as to well, where and, they're going with that. And he, had, and he had to get very angry to do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like he, he had to be sort of shoved into it to make it so. So, and it'll be very interesting to see yeah, exactly how that, that pans out and what the balance is and what are his scopes are, are his powers exactly like his father's. I can't imagine. So, I mean, it, it, if anything, he's, if he's we've clearly learned, got, he's clearly got the eyes. Yeah. He's clearly got the eye beams. But you it, have your father's eye. Sure. But if, I mean, and, and this is a, this is a lesson on, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, it's very much like anything else in biology or stuff like that. Things mutate. So whatever right. powers he got from his dad have probably been mutated a bit by his own biology and there's going to be a twist on now. Maybe he's Homelander's weakness. I don't know, but um, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I mean, Butcher's trying to get back to Becca who it's like, dude, she, I don't know how well that's going to work. MM's trying to get back to his wife who basically well, told her to get out. So why, why are you so like, why do you think that Becca doesn't have like Becca's kept all the butcher shit. Like I, I, I'm going to go back to our, I, I firmly believe that whatever happened between her and Homelander, and there's probably more to it than what actually broke down. I don't think it was as consensual as we'd like it to believe. That's what I was starting to think that uh, by the end of season one, we thought it's consensual by, no, you by, thought it, you thought it was consensual. I have never thought it was consensual. Well, I, I mean, I don't think I, rape wouldn't be the right word, but I don't know what they did to I, her. I, w- I would say if she was pressured into a situation where she felt like she could not say no, that is textbook sexual assault, my friend, and is not like whatever happened. And she clearly made a deal to like live privately away from Homelander. They tried to keep the child a secret, all of that stuff. Um, but, but I, you know, how her and I'd hope that this show doesn't try to justify her living level of willingness. Like, I hope. Like, I hope that this is clear because what I what I always interpret out of her walking out of that room is not somebody that was in any way, shape or form and any level. OK, with what happened. So and again, I think that that's that's an interpretation thing. I think that's what I see out of that that particular scene uh, when I watched it playing back. So but I yeah, I've, I've always been camp, not consensual. 
I guess we're going to see, man. There, there's a lot of, uh, we left off in a really interesting place with, uh, with season three, which I don't know, in like the Butcher and Huey. Season two. Season two, yeah, sorry. Episode three. Episode three. With Butcher and Huey at the end of episode three looking at each other. And I don't know if they were reaching a point of understanding or getting more contentious with each other. That I wasn't really sure about. Well, you know, I think that they still have some work to do. Um, it's adorable to watch Huey try to punch somebody. Yeah, that was as we saw on the, on the deck of the boat. Pretty pathetic. But it was, but it was funny because he's trying to stand up for himself. He's trying to do what he can, and yeah, I, you know the team's in turmoil. The team isn't entirely certain as to what what their where their loyalties lie yet, and I think that you know they're being torn between Butcher and Huey. Can I can I say one thing though? The look, Kimiko looking at Stormfront on the screen, and you could feel the hatred oh, coming from yeah. her gaze. Like I'm going to yes. rip your fucking head off. First chance I get, I don't know how successful she will be at that. Cause she didn't fare so well in their first go out, go around and her brother paid the ultimate price for that. But yeah, I mean that, that was sold so well. That was tangible. You yeah. could feel that hatred coming through the screen at you. Like, okay, whoa, you know, back off. Well, That's a little too real for me. I do think like any good villain, eventually the fault is revealed and whether it comes to a head between Homelander and Stormfront or Kimiko and Stormfront or all of the above, it's going to, it's going to be for quite, it's going to make for quite a ride. So we'll have to, we'll have to hold on and see where we are. The team's sort of underground and scattered and there's a, there's a rivalry within the seven that that's a lot of fun to watch. So, but next week we've got episode four. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Dave. I know that you and I are kind of in different planes on, on, on this. I love that Amazon chooses to release these week to week and allows us the opportunity to kind of stay current on the show with our show. The fact that an episode drops on Friday and we get to review it two days later to then hit on a Monday uh, and gives us the opportunity to really kind of break down some of these episodes. I love it. I hate, I can't binge watch. I think that's one of the other things is I really don't binge watch well at all. And so massive chunks uh, of a show. I just get so muddied and lost. Um, so Netflix, if you're listening, maybe just for the Witcher, cause we cover the Witcher. Right. Like, and, and maybe lock and key like those two. Just, just one at a time, once a week. I mean, I, I, it's, it's nice if, I mean, I like the fact that you've got the option that if you just can't wait for the next episode, fine, go for it. But yeah, well, I, know is, it's, some, I know you got some impatient people in that household. <laughs> over there. It's easier to digest week to week. That's, that's for sure. It's a lot easier to process what's happened from one week to the next. There's no, as opposed to just the sprint that we did with Umbrella Academy seasons one and two, which were a great show. Don't get me wrong, but difficult to kind of really digest and, and process everything when you're going right. through them that fast. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll keep up with that next week. Episode four, the boys, this is going to round out fairly nicely. We are going to have a little bit of a vacation from shows between when the boys season one wraps up and season, season or season two right. of the boys wraps up season three. and season two and season two of the Mandalorian kicks off. Cause it'll be, what did I say? October, October 30th. 30th. Yeah. Right before right. So happy late Halloween. O- late October. 
Jonesin for that. Very excited. I know you're excited too. Oh yeah, Dave, you love everything Star Wars, and so it, it's both. It's both a. It's both endearing and a little disappointing. But but the Mandalorian was not. Man, the Mandalorian did come through in a big, big way, and so season two, I expect to be just as as strong as season one. And uh, yeah, so that'll that'll do it for for episodes one through three. And we'll see Stan Edgar again in Mandalorian season two, isn't he? Moff Gideon or whatever that he is. He's the he's the one wielding the dark saber. That's so. right. Well, uh, that's a busy, busy man. He's he's everywhere too, by the way, fans. If you wanna if you wanna find a character actor that's just all over your timeline in in the land of entertainment, to check check him out. He's and, huge. Yeah, I loved him bitching down Homelander in the first episode, but then Homelander kind of returned the favor in the last one. So Well, yeah, the the, the internal struggle within Vought of who really is in control, like that's just never going I, I love that that's not gonna end. I love that that's going to be a thing that we're going to be working through because Homelander so desperately just wants to take this bitch over. And he, he's not, he's learning that he's not quite the all everything he thinks he is. Just so keep him away from frozen breast milk. That's all I ask, Patrick, keep him away creepy. from the frozen breast milk, milk in general. He's got a weird yeah, milk he thing. He does so. have a weird milk. <laughs> right. So, all right, closing the book for real this time. We're going to take a little break. Uh, when we come back, we got all kinds of news related to DC. We're going to highlight that with talking about DC Fandom Part 2. Before we do that, though, we got to pay some bills. We're going to play a couple commercials for you. Uh, but before we get into the commercials, I do have to tell you that if you like our content, if you like what we're putting out here on Bandwagon Nerds, if you like D, um, yeah, DPs, I almost said D. Uh, I, I got my Ds confused. If you like DPP's show, A Winner Is You. If you like the DWI podcast, you like Three Man Weave, the DeMarco Show, the Attitude of Aggression podcast, um, all that stuff, uh, please take some time. Go over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and check out all of the chairshot.com related content that we have there. Shirts available for you to order. You can get them in either the standard rough course kind of chafes you a little bit style, or you can go soft style for a few dollars more. You'll see all kinds of shirts uh, over there. Some for our shows, some that are sayings such as hashtag save tag team wrestling. You can even get the Christopher Platt, Andrew Belaz for pre the presidential ticket campaign shirt as well. Invest in us, invest in our shows so that we can keep bringing you high quality content every single week. When we come back, DC Universe gets another magnifying glass from the bandwagon. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network as a part of thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com. All right. First of all, thank you, everybody, for what I would say is one of the more clumsy leads into the commercials. 
I, I really struggled with my uh, my pro wrestling tees push this time, Dave. I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> you're, with all due respect, you're no Chris Platt. But hey, I know you're trying, so. I mean, I... And I'm I no Chris Platt they, either, so hey, let's be real. Few people, few people do have the silky smooth pipes of Christopher Platt. Uh, I have gotten better with the pro wrestling tees spot. I should actually just have a written spot and do it instead of trying to riff it. Tried to riff it a little too hard this time, and I don't know. I'm all flutter today. It's this is my third day off in a row, so I, I don't know how to handle myself. But. DC in the news all over the place. We're going to talk some bad before we talk some good. Earlier this week, COVID-19 struck the DC universe in multiple ways. As we received word that the production production of the Batman has been stalled because Batman himself, sparkly vampire Robert Pattinson, COVID-19 positive. <laughs> man and Dwayne Johnson what the week before that as well so and, yeah and a, his whole family in a less damaging sort of way though like right. to, to Black Adam I don't know what other projects Dwayne's got going on right now but the Black Adam movie is another one of those that's like multiple years out still in the storyboard phase yeah. they haven't started shooting anything so him not being him not being able to do anything with with Black Adam is a little less detrimental than Robert Pattinson. Like, what did he do? Did he go to a rave or something? Like, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's it's just, it's so prevalent out there that anything you do that is going to risk, or, you know, pose a risk to you. But when you say Batman caught COVID, I just thought of, did you ever see, you saw that Chris Rock stand-up years ago where he's talking about Superman can't walk, what's next? Aquaman going to drown in the tub? You know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, what do you go? What do you? Well, Chris, say? Chris Rock would just tell him to put some Robitussin on it anyway. Yeah, so. get, let that Tussin get all in there. We're speaking of Chris. <laughs> not, right, if, not if, Chris if we're going to do Chris Rock routines, the tu- the, ro- the 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 Robitussin, the Robitussin, uh, basically commercial that Chris Rock gave in one of his standups is is one of my all time favorites. Yeah, this is why we're cautious, right? Like, this is why we don't feel good about movies these days. And this could be just a minor speed bump, right? Like, Pattinson could have it for two weeks, be fine, life goes on. We hope. Nobody else out of the production catches it. And this is the other thing that like, I like to harp on. I'm not necessarily worried about Robert Pattinson dying from complications due to COVID-19 or any other underlying health conditions. I'm worried that the crew, other actors, other folks have to stand down too because more tests come back positive and we have to wait. And I don't know what the time, you know, the timeline isn't horribly, horribly aggressive. Yeah, obviously they're still shooting, but if shooting gets backed up, that backs up release. And everything that DC has done to get themselves on track does not need to be derailed by a a positive COVID-19 test. No, I agree. I mean, it's they've got DC's got a lot of momentum right now, but you know they're subject to the same thing that everybody is. I mean, look at what the havoc gets played with baseball. Get ready, football fans! It's going to be a fucked up season. Uh, let's let's not be kidding ourselves about it. I mean, hockey's done great with no cases in the bubble, and now they're to the conference finals. 
But, yeah, I mean, we can only hope, A, certainly we hope that Rob's okay and that nothing more serious comes of this. It, it, it is a serious disease. Uh, it's downplayed a lot because people who are healthy seem, you know, young people seem to have no problem beating this thing most of the time. That's not always the case. But first off, we hope he's all right. But yeah, like you're saying, Patrick, it's going to delay things. Uh, hopefully it's not a big delay. Hopefully they say, all right, look, so let's just, let's work on all the other scenes that doesn't, ha- doesn't have Robert in it. And let's work on that. We can at least get that done and stay somewhat on the, track. The scenes in Batman that have nothing to do with Batman. Right. Exactly. Which, you know, there's going to be some, so <laughs> I, I hope they're, they're working on that, but yeah, you know, COVID-19, no one's immune. And uh, the set of Batman gets affected. I mean, who knows what else? I mean, and for Marvel with, you know, it, it, with with Chadwick's passing, I mean, it's probably a good time for them to say, I don't know if they were going to start shooting. I know they had talked about starting to shoot Black Panther in March, uh, which obviously isn't going to happen. But maybe they're just like, look, Lynn, let's just let's just ride this out for a few more months and not even worry about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's the ti- a sign of the times that you can't do anything without this disease being at the forefront. No one's safe. No one's immune. If you've got more than one person in the room with you, there's a chance you're going to get it. Right. So, yeah, all the best of speedy recovery to to both Dwayne Johnson and his whole family. Yeah. Uh, as well as Robert Pattinson. Hopefully that these are these are mild cases and the worst doesn't happen and they're just sick for a little while. But the bad news didn't stop for DC this week. And we talked about this on a previous show a while ago. Back, I, and I can't remember the date. I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and look it up. But Ray Fisher, who for those of you who don't know who Ray Fisher is, Ray Fisher played Cyborg in the Joss Whedon, I guess, version of the Justice League. Sorry, I got an insect in the room. Not a murder and hornet, he, at least. No, it's a Nat. fly. Damn <laughs> flies. So he came forward a few months ago and made a pretty strong statement about Joss Whedon and the way that he treated people on the set during the filming of the Justice League. And we hadn't really heard anything new about it Fisher had put, had tweeted out at one point that Warner Brothers was launching an investigation. Well, but there really not much had come out of it. Well, we just got a an article this week, and the article I posted was from yesterday, f- from Warner Brothers, stating that Ray Fisher has not been cooperating with their internal investigation to which Mr. Fisher then replied. So you can better understand how deep this goes. After speaking out about justice league, I received a phone call from the president of DC films, wherein he attempted to throw Joss Whedon and John Berg under the bus in hopes that I would relent on Jeff Johns. I will not a greater than E. I don't know what that means. Me neither. So I'll leave that alone. I guess here's my thing. What what, what do we make of this mess? Because it's a it's it's getting messy. Like this is like this guy is supposed to be working on reshoots right now with Zack Snyder 
and maybe that you know that has nothing to do with what's going on here but i mean this statement you know in july ray fisher's representatives asked dc films president walter hamada to talk to mr fisher about his concerns during the production of justice league the two had previously spoken with when mr hamada had asked him to reply as his role as cyborg in the upcoming flash movie together with other members of the justice league in their July conversation, Mr. Fisher recounted disagreements he'd had with the film's creative team regarding his portrayal of Cyborg and complained that his suggested script revisions were not adopted. Mr. Hamada explained that creative differences are a normal part of the production process. So basically, we're just saying Warner Brothers is trying to be like, this is this is all over creative differences. Also told Mr. Fisher that he would elevate his concerns to Warner Media so they could conduct an investigation. At no time did Mr. Hamada ever, quote, throw anyone under the bus, as Mr. Fisher has falsely claimed, or rendered any judgment about the Justice League production in which Mr. Hamada had no involvement since filming occurred before Mr. Hamada was elevated to his current position. And then he goes on to say that Mr. That Fisher insisted that Warner Media hire an independent third-party investigator, but that despite multiple attempts, Fisher had declined to speak to the investigator. Yeah. You you were silent. You were silent. It's so. just a mess. I, I mean, like you're saying, right. it, it's it's a mess, and it's it's um it's one of these situations where, <sighs> to me, it really sounds like you know Ray Fisher wanted some sort of independent, neutral third party to look into these allegations, and then Warner Brothers hired somebody who was supposedly neutral, and Ray apparently doesn't feel like their neutrality is really neutral. And decided I'm not going to cooperate with this. So like anything where there's two sides to every story, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But you can definitely feel like public reaction wise, you can definitely tell there are people who just adamantly support Joss Whedon, no matter what, because he did Avengers and Buffy and all that shit. And they just think Ray Fisher's full of shit. You know, our hero would never do something like this. And you've got the other camp who's not so sure about that. And it, it it is a mess. I mean, I get where if Ray really does think that this isn't so independent, then he's like, I'm not going to cooperate. It does raise the question. A lot of people are saying, see, I knew he was full of shit. He uh, raised all these allegations, but now he doesn't want to actually talk to somebody about this. So who who really knows at this point? I do like the article talking about creative control and creative differences. I'm like, boy, does that sound familiar to people like us, huh? So Warner Brothers is the WWE and Ray's one of the wrestlers, essentially. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I do think it's really interesting. Um, Ray shared an email that he sent after his first phone call that, again, is, is to me, it's fairly telling. Hey, crew, just got off the line with the investigator, had to end the interview early before going into detail with him. He's definitely been put on the case by Warner Brothers Picture Pictures, not Warner Media. His findings will go directly and solely to Warner Brothers Pictures Legal. He also had another person on the line as a witness, which we weren't made aware of. I told him I needed to have a rep on the line as security for myself. He tried to keep me on the line, but I told him I would need to consult my team before proceeding. Can we jump on a call? Discuss soon. Best, Ray. So, again... You know, in the land of evil empires, from Ray's perspective, Warner Brothers is doing everything they can to to kind of 
control this this investigation and the narrative behind it. And Ray's saying, no, I'm not going to let them do that. And you should, if you're going into an investigating and talking to an investigator and they have somebody there as a witness, ask for your own representation there as well. That's just good. That's sound judgment. No, it's, it's smart. I mean, and, and, and you're, you're a lawyer, you know this. Well, exactly. I mean, and if, and if Ray was my client, I'd be like, uh, first off, he wouldn't be talking to any investigator without representation. So that's the first thing. And Ray shouldn't be engaging with anybody who's supposedly a neutral third party uh, without, you know, somebody there to kind of listen in and say, like, he's talking, there's somebody else on this line. And I know there's somebody else on this line. And who is that? The fact that Ray's voicing these concerns and saying, look, this is what was going on. And this is how I felt lends me to go the opposite direction of what a lot of comments I saw in that article were very much anti Fisher. But to me, I'm reading right. it thinking, I don't, I wouldn't be so quick to condemn him. He he's obviously got a bad vibe about this and sure. I mean, Warner can say this is a neutral third party. Okay, uh, let me. Who's this neutral third party? Let me research his background. Let me research his credentials, and see if he's, you know, if he's really neutral. We get this all the time in my field where the doctors are supposed to be neutral, but they write the report and say, "Shit, that really feels slanted towards one side or the other," and and people, you know, doctors in my profession get a reputation as being oriented towards one side or the other, and and I imagine in a, in a situation like Hollywood you're going to get the same sort of scenario. And that's what it feels like. Like he's saying, I don't, I question the neutrality of this investigation and I'm not comfortable with it. And I'm backing out yeah, and I'm danger, not gonna... danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Right, right. Now, whether, whether those danger, concerns are danger. justified or not is certainly open to debate and everybody's going to have an right. opinion because, you know, like we said earlier, they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. So, you know, I, I think it's just it's going to be one of these situations where the truth somewhere lies in the middle, as it almost always does. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with your, you know, this idea of opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. That's why you can talk about the rise of Skywalker is a good movie. <laughs> but oh, there it is. God, it's like it, it, that is like, you know, we're joking around with the boys saying, episode two i said all right what's the over under on how many times billy says cunt in this episode and i said 10 and it was two and i was like so disappointed so you know you know it's like that similar but less offensive were were you were you worried that i wasn't going to bring it up i I was i was thinking maybe you forgot about it you know after all this time never hashtag never forget (laughs) hashtag rise forever anyway no, thank you. All right. So more to come on this, because this is going, I think this is going to be, it's interesting how quiet the story has kind of gone along in the background a little bit. Uh, I, I, more is coming with this as it comes out. I, mean, I will be interested to see. I mean, yeah, he's accused him of a hostile work environment. More is right. going to come with this. There's no doubt. Well, and, and I wonder what the great, like Joss Whedon has been silent, rightfully so. Like no good comes to responding to any of this. Let the investigation happen. State your case to the investigators. Move on with your life because this is already going to be damaging to, I mean, I don't know what kind of projects he had, if any going on right now, but this can't be good for anything you'd want to do. And that's the other thing that people seem to be forgetting about. This is a big risk for Ray as well. Like this is a very big risk 
to be taking if you're Ray Fisher. Yeah. I mean, because your career could get completely crushed if this doesn't go the way you want it to. If you're discredited, you are done. Basically, that's your career. So, yeah. So, more to come on that. I, I wonder if we've seen the last of Joss Whedon. Or if we've seen the last of Ray Fisher, who 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 will come out on top of this in the end? We've seen the last ding, of ding, Joss ding. in the DC universe. That's that's pretty right, evident. Right. I think that one's pretty obvious. Yep. So let's let's shift gears. Let's wrap up the show today talking about the good, the good that's going on with DC because their momentum train is still going. We have another if part two of DC Fandom coming on September 12th. This is being recorded on September 6th, dropped on September 7th. So five days from the, from when this podcast drops, DC Fandome Part 2 will be kicking off. And this was announced back when... I, I remember I had to go back and go through the history a little bit. When it first got revealed, DC Fandome was going to be one day. And then an announcement, a follow-up announcement, came later talking about the second part. And I thought your comment, Dave, was actually really kind of indicative of what a lot of people have thought about with this part two. And I'll, I'll let you speak to yourself about it, but you weren't feeling particularly strongly about this part two on the surface. Right. I thought that they had just split it into two days because fans were saying, hey, we can't get through all this in 24 hours. Uh we don't, we don't like that you're only doing it in 24 hours. So they're like, all right, well, we'll add a second day. So I really thought the second day would be like a second opportunity to view all the stuff from day one. And it would essentially be mailing it in. And what we got instead, when you sent me the schedule, was anything but that. It's like, right. wow, there's so, no repeats from day one, really. Well, and let's talk about this. Because one of the things I thought was really interesting about this, and I, you know, I told you I was going to have the, the schedule up so that we could talk about it a little more just kind of cleanly as we're going through here. I'm just reading the and, descriptions as we go along here. Well, and so I clicked the first thing I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed this too, the way the schedule is set up reads differently than a way the night one was set up. Every single event is listed right now. And maybe this will change. And maybe I just need to go to a different section of the website. But right now the schedule I'm looking at says every single session is Saturday, September 12th at 1 p.m. through Saturday, September 13th at 1 p.m. So my question is, is because day one was the same eight-hour block played on repeat three times. And so if you missed it once, you could catch it a second time. Do you interpret this the way I do, that perhaps all the content's going to be there and people can go in and, and watch what they want when they want to watch it? For 24 hours. I, I mean, I don't see how else you can interpret it because it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, is it going to be online? I guess again, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, like you're saying, they're all listed from Saturday, December 12th, 10 o'clock AM. I guess that's my time to Sunday, December or Sunday, September 13th, 10 o'clock AM. Yeah. Well, watch. I was first. doing Eastern time. Yep. What is watch first? Well, and so here's what's cool. All of these different so Watchverse is kind of is what I would understand is the, the sort of the schedule of content like that was where we saw all the stuff last time and you see there's you know an Ask Harley Quinn panel that's uncensored which means that the questions have already been submitted at this point people you probably still can do it but all of these different panels Batman Three Jokers like all of these 
They just say that they're there and you can add them to a calendar. Right. But when I looked at the top, this is what I thought was cool. Click on Insider. It's a whole other schedule of stuff. Oh my goodness. A look behind music, Arrow. Uh, I sent this to Tunny because he talks about the Flash a lot. And there is a whole thing. There's a there's a segment on the the CW Flash series, Legends of Tomorrow, where it looks like they're doing a callback to the pilots of these shows and real and um and doing like let's well, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Insider a truly exclusive opportunity as an insider to see the short sizzle reel created behind the scenes of DC's Legend of Tomorrow pilot episode. Five minutes on demand. Says it in the description on demand. Um, but there's panels on designing the animated universe, Shazam, multiverse. It's like this thing is loaded. And I don't remember either we just didn't explore the website very well or we we missed it. Cause is that's there's so much content a day doesn't feel like enough. And then if you go and click on Hall of Heroes, I don't know if this means you can still if you can come back and rewatch these, but they're listed in the archive. Yeah, I mean they all say I mean, and it's just the schedule from from, from August twenty second. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can see here that the ones that I watched have check marks next to them. Oh, very nice. Yes. I think that's what that is. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, I guess they're just going to open up this website and you can go and check it out. I mean, is it really? There's, I mean, you've got an even bigger complaint now. It's like, Jesus, you guys have opened all this up. There's no way to get through this in one day. It's, but, but you pick your own poison. But, it, but yeah, but if they let you pick what you want, and I'm already concerned because the little O'Dowd, um, Kidsverse is also the other thing that is going on in DC Fandom for 24 hours on the 12th, starting at 1 p.m. And again, it's kind of a pick and choose thing. And they've got some stuff with Teen Titans Go. Most of this stuff is activity based stuff. I'm looking at for like the kids, like DC karaoke. origami, yeah. crafts, DC read along, um, with people who are in the movies doing doing reads of uh, of Shazam's comic book. Like Asher Angel, who plays Billy Batson, is going to do a read along. With an issue of Shazam, like how fun is that? I mean, it's uh, really impressive what they have done a, with this. Right, there's a Teen Titans Go table read and panel that the little O'Dowd was like, "Oh, hook me up." So I'm actually worried that I'm not going to catch much of this because my eight year old is gonna is gonna want to want to watch all. The only blessing I have is that I work on Saturday. So he can have my computer all day Saturday to watch DC fandom stuff to his heart's content. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I'm just, I mean, just going through here, just the panels. I mean, you talk about lots of stuff about the Joker for sure. Right. They got the Dwayne McDuffie thing. I, I said earlier, that's actually, I knew I'd seen it before on uh, the DVD for justice league doom, which is the uh, animation, the animated adaptation of the tower of Babel storyline. That, right. that thing was on there. So I have seen that one before, and it's cool that they're bringing that back. You got the Batwoman panel, got a Black Lightning panel. Um, geez. So I guess, yeah, what, how are you going to, how much time are you going to invest in DC Fandom this weekend 
there next weekend. Well, see and, and what do you want to see? What do you want to know? Well, it's good because this is where only having one episode of the boys to digest and no wrestling pay-per-views for the first time in three weeks will right. open up my schedule considerably. But rolling through here, just looking at, I mean, and I'm just going to limit it to watch first because insider verse is so very niche oriented. It seems to me, you know, artistry and things like that. Like, like that is were, for, that is for a comic book reader. Right. Right. And, and, it, and we for both, the most part, we both the most are, part. we There's both, some good stuff in there. we both are, but it's almost like, you know, okay. Uh, the watch versus a more all encompassing thing. But I mean, the super villains panel, it's going to be cool. The mm-hmm. ask Harley Quinn stuff is all the first one was really funny. So that should be good. Uh, females of color within the DC universe. I almost feel like they did that last time, but I am certainly going to check it out. The two Joker panels, Batwoman panel. I'm curious about that. Black lightning. Very curious to see what they're doing with black lightning. Um, just kind of scrolling through here and looking around what we've got. Legends of tomorrow. Stargirl is going to be fun. That's an yep. underrated show. Uh, as most of the stuff on the CW or, or any place else has been Deathstroke, anything involving Deathstroke. Yeah. Count me in. Um, the one that I know my nephew, my niece and my wife are most excited about the doom patrol panel because they absolutely right. love doom patrol. Uh, that one thing right there is going to drag them in. So they'll be watching that. Um, beyond that, I mean, I don't know what this injustice two thing is, but uh, you know, it's, that, a, it's a video game. No, I, I know it's a video game. I'm just oh. not sure what the panel is. And, and injustice is one of the best video superhero video games. I meant to ask you just this quick little diversion. Um, did you get Avengers? The video game? No, I have not. Okay. I, I haven't had time. One, I haven't had time to shop for a video game Two, I'm a little leery of it based on the, I get that you can't escape video games having in-game purchases now, it seems like there's a special level of purchasing that is involved with this Avengers game that makes me a little hesitant to jump on board. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be as microtransaction based as say like strike forces on, on, you know, that sort of thing. But there, right. there's definitely like, you can get the deluxe edition for 80 bucks, which adds on a bunch of things. You can outfit your guys a little bit differently like, for people. I, I don't give a shit about that. Just give me good gameplay. I don't care what my guy exactly right, looks right, right. like. Um, they got Superman Man of Tomorrow panels. That's, I think, a really relatively new addition to DC animation, which is a good adaptation. One of the better Superman stories of all time. They got some spotlights on the Teen Titans. This one is interesting for me and you, Patrick. The expansion of DC's Watchmen universe, where the whole yep. um, Doomsday Clock storyline that really brought the you know Watchmen into what I would call DC proper. I mean, most people don't consider Watchmen part of the DC universe. It most certainly is. And doomsday clock merged those two together in a fantastic story that I w- definitely want to see what they're going to do with that. You know, are we going to get more, you know, everybody let's have the showdown between Superman and Dr. Manhattan and that sort of thing, which, <laughs> which will be fun. Um, you know, you got Titans, you got more stuff with the flash, the flash panel extended, which I think, Maybe we'll have more information on the movie. Uh, just yeah, just looking through her. I mean, Young you, Justice and I, a lot uh, of stuff. All right, all right, a lot of stuff. I, I thought you'd pick like three or four and be like these. These particularly intrigued me. You just like went through the whole the whole just the ones schedule. that stood out to me is from my standpoint so, like, as to what dear reader or dear listener, dear reader, dear listener. That was basically the whole calendar. 
Dave just ran through everything that's right now. I'm just kidding. Shit, like 20 percent, maybe if I'm lucky. I will. I will tell you a couple of things that I think are interesting that I, that I think will be fun. Um, I love the international flavor that they've brought to this. Um, they have these different little panels that are like um, Spain loves DC or Italy loves DC. Rendezvous and with DC France. Yeah, there you go. Right, and it's all these and it's all these different um, panels with folks who are Italian that are part of this DC universe and, and their work that they're doing as well. So I think that could be just, I love, I, I really appreciate the work that they are trying to do to get this in with some fans. I do think that one of the things you're seeing about the content, you pointed this out, these like blurred, what is it? Blurred bougie stuff. These all seem to be bits you might be able to find elsewhere. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, I also noticed that some of these are a lot shorter. Like I just clicked on this. I'm Latinx. What is your superpower? It's only 15 minutes. So that is, you know, I think we're used to half hour to hour long panels. And that also doesn't seem to be the case either. Um, The Harley Quinn panel, for example, which still want to watch Harley Quinn, still haven't had a chance to start watching Harley Quinn, but it's a 20 minute panel so i think they've made it a little bit more digestible you know what i mean right and in the first day there was a a pretty good mix which is why you know we were all like how are we going to watch this stuff at the same time but you could just because some panels were longer like 30 minutes like the batman and then you had someone like 10 or 15 and that sort of thing like in some of the earlier ones like you see at the top of the schedule are longer like the batwoman panel is 40 minutes long sure black lightning 35 Doom the three Patrols, jokers 35 minutes right the three jokers um mini series which i'm i'm interested in checking out and seeing what they're going to do with that um is 20 minutes so you have a variety you have a lot going on there on the insider verse i may watch the first episode of the flash cuz it's on netflix and available just to go back and listen to and check out this panel on the rewatch of the pilot. Yeah, they're doing all that, aren't they? They got. I love. So one of the, I t- I mentioned this uh, I think a couple of podcasts ago. One of the shows that I'm, or one of the podcasts that I listen to now, is called Fake Doctors, Real Friends, and it's Zach Braff and Donald Faison of the TV show Scrubs, going back and breaking down every episode of the show. I find that stuff fascinating to listen to and learn about. And so you you kind of name it and it seems like it's there. If you want to see what the big deal is with the Pennyworth TV show, season one inside look is part of the insider verse. It's only a minute long. So some of these are just commercials, like not even like full on shows. Yeah. I'm looking at, um, on Insiderverse, Cold War from Superman Red Sun, which is fascinating right. to me. Red Sun was like one of the early episodes where you weren't here and it was Greg and I, and we ran through some of the Superman stories and I explained to him what Red Sun was and he got very interested in that. And so this, it, it looks like it's something stemming off of that storyline, which is uh, which is one of the better Elseworlds stories from the DC right. Universe's Superman Red Sun. There's just so like I keep coming across stuff that it's like it, I'm concerned how what yeah. I'm going to be able to catch because now like I'm looking here Wonder Woman 1984 Amazon 
a panel hosted by Patty Jenkins. And this is deep dive sort of stuff, people. Like this Insiderverse stuff, I'm telling you, like it's more deep dive because this is Patty Jenkins sitting around uh, do, hosting a roundtable hosted by Tiffany Smith with Amazonians, like it's it's production people, costume, and the Amazons that were in the film doing a roundtable. Like, yeah, no, like, you're absolutely that's, right. That's not the sort of stuff that like Joe Fan necessarily wants to check out. Watchmen, Becoming Sister Knight. Sign me up for that, even if it's a one minute love letter <laughs> to to Watchmen, because I just clicked on it. And that's the thing is click and check that it's really what you think it is, because some of these things are shorter and longer than others. But I this is such a great. Like I'm nerding out more right now, just looking at like, like there's a Wonder Woman 1984 fan question segment where they're gonna, you know, where they took questions and are gonna answer them. Production design of Batman, like that's some fun stuff. Designing super suits, Jason Todd. There's a thing on Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah. There was even a Jason Todd reference when you watch AEW. Uh, right. they were uh, there was a, a match involving Stu Grayson, where of course Jim Ross fucks up and calls him Dick Grayson, and uh, you know, and he says, oh, you know, and somebody says, all right, well, it's better than Jason Todd, and then somebody says, oh, you're a Damian Wayne fan. It's like, okay, they get props for that for being nerds on the broadcast for me on that one, but like, yeah, like you're saying, the Insider Verse is definitely not. I know this show's called Bandwagon Nerds, which is almost like an oxymoron at this point, but still, uh not very bandwagon nerd friendly. I would say for insider verse, like you're saying, that's a deep dive and a half. Like I, although this one might be good for people wanting to learn about DC. Like one of them, I just came across secret origin, the story of DC comics. This is a 95 minute on demand history, the 75 year history of DC comics. So yeah, well, that's a good one. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll one up you on one. If you love Batman, masterpiece frank miller's the dark knight returns oh, it's shit. an 80 minute documentary chronicling the stunning achievement of batman the dark knight returns oh. from frank miller and galvanizes the reason why this story ushered in the modern take of the dark and brooding protector of gotham i'm gonna find 80 minutes to watch that absolutely because yeah the dark knight returns to me tied with Watchmen for probably the greatest graphic novel of all time and so Here's one for if Christopher this... Platt, Patrick. The magic behind uh, the Margo cape. Kidder? No, I, well, it might be. The magic behind the cape. It's a uh, 25 minutes. Take an in-depth look at how the award-winning special effects were created behind the legendary 1978 Richard Donner film, Superman the Movie. Eh. Nice. Could be fun. Um, and, and there's fun stuff. I'm Batman. The voices behind the cow. Uh, a panel of just various people who have voiced the Dark Knight. And the dubbers and the people who have lent their talents internationally. Like, how cool is that? 20 minutes. So God, there's so much an insider verse. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's, uh, Jim Lee. Jim Lee creating the Hall of Heroes. So Jim Lee did a video talking about what he created for fandom. Like, like so and that's the thing. Oh, yeah. This is this is like yeah, this is nerd. 
I don't it's heaven. Oh my gosh. It's an advanced like, course in nerdology here. Like, like, and if you're, if you're interested in watching this again, this is totally free. And I, I, you know, I'm a Marvel guy. I am shilling for this hard because I feel like this is a great thing. And I really hope it is what we think it is where you get to pick and choose because that is a way better format, in my opinion, to put this on to where people can see your thing only having it up for 24 hours, still 100% behind. Keep that, keep it, make it exclusive, make it feel special because here we are now. I'm geeking out over this. And I was ready for it when I sent you the schedule. And now I'm really looking at this. And I'm like, damn, there's some really good stuff in here. You mentioned you're a Marvel fan. Could you see Marvel doing something like this? I I would I could see Disney doing something like this. Right. You know, and turning their expo into something like this. And maybe someday that happens. I sorry. One last thing. Do you like theme parks, Dave? Yes, very much so. Go to go check out Funverse, which is talking about various DC rides up at the top. Yeah, I've been to I've been to a few of those. <laughs> and downloadable them. character posters, video backgrounds, just fun stuff to do. There's an escape room game in here. Oh, too much fun. The joke the, the Joker's escape, escape room. room. Oh, jeez. So, no, I'm not a show for DC. No, I don't work for Warner Brothers. Yes, I think this is an amazing thing. I think this is a terrific thing to sign up for. Like I said, it's totally free. I've got nothing from them via email. I've got nothing from text. This is absolutely worth the time to, to check out and do, even if it's five minutes of your time to watch one little segment. And believe me, there's so much in here. You could there's there's multiple days worth of content in this 24 hour exclusive event. I'll look behind the music. Like, I, is this longer than five minutes? No, it's only two minutes. I would love to see something done on the music of, of various Marvel movies, like all of this stuff. Good Lord. All right. My heart's going to burst from excitement. So I think I'm going to I'm going to stop talking about DC fandom. Dave. I don't know that I need to ask this. You've already answered the question. You're going to check it out, right? Oh God. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it right. does seem like uh, there is, there are things that I recognize that, that, that Superman thing. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's on the, uh, discology that I have for the Superman Christopher Reeve saga. And that's fine. You know, because it's like, wow, instead of having to try and find it, I just go here and there it is. Uh, but there's so much on there that is just, Anybody remotely interested in DC or DC characters or anything is going to find something that appeals to them. And that's the biggest kind of testament as to how great this event's going to be. There's going to be something there for everybody. I mean, yeah, you're going to take a virtual ride on uh, what Superman, the ride six flags, great America, Illinois. I mean, they've got this probably, I think it's the same ride here in California, maybe, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, there's fun. variations of it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Cause stuff. we have, we have, we have one at Six Flags New England, though it is not nearly as dope as the one in Jersey. And is yours the one where you like lay out like your Superman? No, the one out here is like, <laughs> what's the best way to describe it? You get into a uh, a cart and it launches you at eighty miles per hour. It's it's magnetically done, and it used oh, to launch see. you forward, but now it launches you backwards. And it's just oh, nice. like, bam, and you're just going backwards. And I, I, can, I won't yeah. try it because of my back now because I'm old. 
But uh, before, it was a lot of fun. Kudos, kudos to Six Flags. I will say this: for as much grief as they get for not being Disney, uh, they do have some really good, great coasters. And it's interesting to hear what your local Six Flags Superman ride is versus the one that I have at Six Flags New England, which is more of a traditional coaster, but has a ridiculous first drop. And the Six Flags New England is along the Connecticut River, right? And they put Superman, Superman the ride along the Connecticut river and you, it feels like you're climbing forever. And I don't know what the angle is on the drop, but it freaking feels damn near vertical. And you, you hit, I think it's top speeds are like 80 some miles an hour. And it's one of the few roller coasters that even without loops just kind of does it all in terms of a thrill. Like you would think it would need some sort of loop or anything, but no, it's just all about G-forces. It's all about pressing at your chest. does have some special effects, but really cool deal. We've got something so, like that. It's called uh, Magic Mountain out here is, is not a park you tackle uh, lightly. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Right. If you're because like, I mean, when you compare Magic Mountain out here to Disneyland uh, from a sheer thrill ride standpoint, Magic Mountain kicks the shit out of Disneyland. What it lacks is Disney's right. atmosphere and, and that special oh, yeah, sure. feeling that Disneyland gives you. But yeah, I mean, we got a ride out here called Goliath, which is like the same thing. That drop goes forever. I mean, and we've sat in the front row on a December night and that you're hitting that wind is just beating the shit out of you. And you're just crying, not crying, but this the wind makes you cry. And, and it's the same thing. That drop goes on forever. And you're just like, is this thing right. ever going to end? <laughs> <laughs> and the four the, the force lifts you off the chair. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. All right. Enough amusement park rides. We've covered a little bit of everything in our hour and a half today, Dave. We were gonna go a little short today, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with but, that um, too. And you know, I feel like we we effectively geeked out enough over DC fandom that people should go and check it out. And maybe go check out an amusement park or two whenever this whole horrible thing ends and it's safe to be around human beings again. Uh, I did actually come up with a question this week, because uh, and uh, I'm going to low-key troll Christopher Platt a little bit. I'm hoping he gets back to me, because I'm working on a thing that uh, he, he's going to help me. I'm hoping he'll help me write. But uh, started watching. We talk about a lot of shows. Uh, every once in a while, I think it's just good to, to push a show that we don't talk about here um, to the masses. And so this week, uh, I finally started the HBO series Lovecraft Country based on the book by the same name. I'm one episode in. I am 1000% in. It is done in the backdrop of 1950s Jim Crow America. And it was interesting as I've been talking to Platt about this because I'm trying to get him to watch it too so we can write a column about it. The Lovecraft stuff is secondary, if that makes sense. Like, there's bizarre Lovecraftian stuff that goes on, and yet I spent most of the time being, like, just blown away and impressed by the amount of work and attention that is being given to our history as a nation and what it was like to travel as a black person in the 1950s. And the things that they talk about, that I can guarantee you that a lot of folks don't know was the reality for a black person traveling in the fifties. Uh, 
is is fundamental and it serves as the backdrop and the allegory for this this uh, this series which is based on a novel and i can't remember who wrote the novel i'm going to see if i can find it real quick to to give it the proper justice too but first episode sucked me in enough that i was like god i kind of want to watch the novel now or kind of want to watch the novel kind of want to read the novel now because you know if you've got this it's uh author's name is mark ruff but wrote wrote this wrote the book that this series is based on and the basic story is a young black man who served in the military has returned home his father is missing in the south and he is traveling from chicago with his uncle and a uh, a, a childhood friend slash love interest uh who are trying to find him and that's that's really all that's a simple plot i hear it's really so, good so far, it's really, so far, it's terrific. It's been just terrific. So what about you, Dave? What are you watching these days? Man, just really. That we don't talk about on the show. Uh, Not a whole lot, really. I mean, I, I like watching the shows that we are going through and kind of, you know, mulling over that. I think like the only thing really watching is kind of like the going through the last dance a little bit here and there, you know, cause I always wanted to watch ah. that. And once that hit Netflix, I said, you know, I, I kind of want to watch that, but um, that's kind of the, the main thing I'm watching. I, I've been watching like, I, uh, got, I, I mean, I, I, would, I got so emotional over that documentary. Man. I know you did. Cause as a, cause as a kid, I was raised on that and watching Jordan just lay it out the way, the way he is. I, oh. the, the show I really want to watch if there was a side one to watch, right now because it's on netflix and i like how they call it a netflix original even though it wasn't is uh cobra kai i think i'd really mm-hmm. like to dive into that because i've watched the first couple of episodes and i really like that and, you know the dynamics between uh johnny and daniel all those years later is fascinating now that they're grown up and they've done lived their lives and gone in different directions and, and they're still interconnected I think that's the show that I would most want to check out right now if I had the extra time. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Why don't you take the lead and tell folks where they can find you in the Twitterverse? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G or on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Excellent. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to our good friend, the scientist DPP. You can follow him at it's me DPP. You should also follow his podcast. The winner is you that uh, podcast drops every Friday on the chair shot radio network. And that, uh, that hashtag, that hashtag, that Twitter account is at a winner is you. That is a winner is just the letter. You don't spell out the word you, or you won't find it. As for myself, you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. I am on the Greg DeMarco Show talking wrestling every Wednesday. This show drops every Monday. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. Shockingly, nobody had picked that, uh, that uh, Twitter handle, so we have it. So just at Bandwagon Nerds. We'd love to get your follows. We, uh, we haven't put up a poll in a while, Dave. We'll have to figure out a poll. Uh, you can also read us on the Nerd Review. Last week, we did a tribute review of Black Panther, uh, honor Chadwick Boseman and that movie. And this week's Nerd Review is as yet undetermined. We'll have something good for you, and we'll make sure to let everybody know. 
Otherwise, we'll catch you next week when we are going to break down everything that we watched or tried to watch on DC FanDome. But you'll hear all the good, maybe even some of the not so good. Hopefully, we'll get some Marvel news as well. That's going to do it for this week. Hopefully, DP explains why he gave Black Panther a 4.25. I don't understand that. Oh, let it go. It's, if it's not his thing, it's not his thing. You <laughs> sat there last week and ran down Bill and Ted for a good 10 minutes. Did you watch like, it? I give it a, and I gave it a 2.5. I haven't watched it yet, but I still intend to, like, and to disagree with you wholeheartedly. Kind of like I've decided to now wait until December 4th to watch Mulan, since that's when it'll be free. I'm not uh, spending 30 bucks. Okay. Screw you, Disney. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Now climb out of the basement, get yourself some sun, and gear up for DC Fandom Part 2 because it's going to be huge. You get paralyzed, they don't got shit for you. Look at Christopher Reeve, paralyzed. Superman can't walk. What kind of sorry-ass shit is that? Superman can't walk. What's next? What the fuck? An Aquaman gonna drown in the tub? What the fuck kind of injustice is this? Superman can't walk. The Hulk won't get the gout? What the fuck? Superman can't walk. Now you go tell a doctor you paralyzed, they don't got shit for you like doc, I'm paralyzed. What you got? Oh, why don't you take this chair and roll your ass around town? <laughs> Not all the fuck you guys a goddamn chair? Where the fuck I'm supposed to take this prescription? To a furniture store, motherfucker? I gotta go to Ikea? What the fuck is this shit? I said I can't walk, I ain't said I can't sit. <laughs>